behalf of my dad, Dave Ramsey. Okay, three, two, one. All right. Good morning, everybody. Now, everybody online, you can now hear as well, because it was completely not coming through for you guys. But good morning. Happy February end. Guys, it's sunny outside. Spring is on the way. Yes, as you know, I'm from North Carolina, and the, the flowers are throwing out all the pollen and everything like March 1st. It's like a time bomb. Everything is green, and everybody is sneezing, and lots of snot. So if you're in North Carolina, you can look forward to that. So be glad you're in Chicago, where it's moderate. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, uh, my name is Cole. I have the, the joy, the honor of uh, serving as associate pastor here at Second City Church, along with the amazing Rollin Fisher, uh, lead pastor, and the team that is here. And every once in a while, I get the opportunity to speak to you guys. And so today... I'm going to move forward today. And so today, we are officially resuming. Everybody say resume. resume. We've got to get back in the right mindset here. Uh, we're resuming our Good News According to Luke message series. Yes. So we have officially finished the miracles. We went through the seven miracles uh, in the Gospel of John and how that sets us up to receive Jesus as the miracle worker who is Lord of all and the Savior of all that come to him. And now we're going to look at um, the last week of his earthly ministry in the flesh. And it's a, it's a sobering time. There's some really encouraging stuff here, but it's also very uh, sobering, and it's meant to lead us in love. Um, and so, guys, before we, get, before we get started today, I just want to pray. So if you can bow your heads with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we say that apart from you, we can do nothing. Um, it is you who draws us to your Savior, to Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that you would clear our hearts and our minds right now, that you would make our hearts fertile and our minds clear, that the words of Christ would dwell richly in us and produce a Love for you, number one, and then a harvest of righteousness out of that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So it's okay to keep going with the microphone and everything? We're good? Okay. 
All right, so this is the good news according to Luke. Chapter 19 is where we're uh, picking it up at. And the title of today's message is, A Little is a Lot in God's Kingdom. A Little is a Lot in God's Kingdom. And so what we're going to focus on, though, as far as Luke 19, 11 through 27 goes, is this. Jesus seeks and saves the lost, giving them opportunity for eternal reward as they participate in the coming of his kingdom. So once we were lost, Jesus seeks us. So our terminology is like, I found Christ. I understand what you're saying, but the truth is Jesus seeks us out. We love because he first loves us. It's all on him. But then not only does he seek us, he finds us, and we respond in repentance and faith, but then he not only takes us from being lost and ineffective, but then he makes us fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. And so discipleship is the process of us growing in love for him as we get to know him better. And as we grow in our love for him, we produce fruit that brings him much glory. And it gives us much joy. And so we are, we're going to uh, pick it up at Luke 19, 11 through 27. And, uh, uh, but before we, before we read that scripture, I have to just give a small uh, context here. At the end of Luke 19, in verse uh, uh, nine and t- 8, 9, and 10, I'm going to read that because this sets up the entire framework for the parable that we're about to read and unpack a little bit. All right, so here we go. Uh, Luke 19, verses 8, 9 through 10 says, And Zacchaeus, remember little wee man Zacchaeus? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come to just make us prosperous in the ways that we think prosperous, and it's very we need to make that clear as we look at this parable, because you're going to think I'm just talking about money, and Jesus is talking about money, but he's not. He's talking about true wealth, true reward, and that is human souls coming in to the kingdom of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Aren't you glad he values you over money? Yeah, this is about you and me. If not, we would just have a bunch of selfish, successful people running around with large uh, bank accounts. But that is not the case here. And so um, Luke 19, 11 through 27, which is our focus uh, scripture for today, but that sets us up for it. What we're going to read, what we're going to pick up here is that Jesus clarifies what the coming of the kingdom of God is and how we can participate. What the coming of the kingdom of God is and how we can participate But what I want you to hear here as well is how we can grow in love for Jesus. Because it's all contingent on that. All of our discipleship, all of our obedience, trying to do what is right, if it's not not based in a revelation of how greatly he has loved us, then it's just going to make us self-righteous people. Right? And that is not what he wants. That's not what any of us need. We just need to be people who are fully aware of how much we have been loved, and then attempt to love him the way that he has loved us. All right, enough of that. Let's go to the Word, the Word of God. 
starting in uh, verse 11. It says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. And so that's Jesus talking to the people that were upset that uh, Jesus welcomed Zacchaeus into the kingdom. He proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. There's some renewing of the mind that needs to happen in the people on what the kingdom of God looks like and when it is coming. He said, therefore, here's the parable, a noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first servant came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful. Everybody say faithful. Remember that word, it's going to come up later, and I'm going to remind you when we said it out loud. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, I imagine sheepishly. Uh, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because, oh, judgment statement, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He, being the king, said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for the enemies of mine, who did not want, to re- who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Ooh, that's a place to end, right? The love of Christ. (laughs) Slaughter my enemies before me. Well, he is Christ the King. Christ the Savior, Christ the Lord, and Christ the King. But before we go any further, let's define a couple of terms here. What is a mina? Because you spend them every day, right? Out of your bank account. Yes, it is currency. And most likely... Scholars believe it was probably about three months of wages for a regular laborer. So not specially skilled, a regular laborer. So that, do you know the average Chicago, Illinois salary is $73,000 a year? And so that makes this amount about $18,000. So he gave each of them about $18,000. I know some of us are laughing, right? We have a very diverse congregation. We're all over the place. Uh, And that's okay, because that's the kingdom. That's good. 
right? And so when you think of that, think about a lump sum that was given to you to invest that may be a lot to you or may not be a lot to you, but he said he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much, and we'll come back to there. Okay, and then another term we need to define is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God in its most simple form is where God is king and he's reigning. And so if God is sitting on the throne of your heart, if Jesus is on the throne of your heart and he's reigning, guess what? The kingdom of God is in you, right? And that's what he told the Pharisees in Luke 17. When they asked, we can't see it, when is it coming? He's like, it's in your midst, it's in you. And what he's saying is like, if I am in your heart and you have made me Lord of your life and you received my love and my forgiveness for you, then these are, uh, this is where you can, you can see the fruits of my kingdom come, okay? And so now that we have that out of the way, there's a couple of key things we got to observe here. Okay, number one in this parable, we see that there is not just a man, but a nobleman who's going to leave, and he's going to receive a kingdom, and then he's going to come back, and he's going to reign, and he's going to rule. Anybody of us that have heard the gospel, we know that it took a while for people to see Jesus as the Son of God and not just a good teacher. Amen? So a nobleman, right? He's going to go, and he's going to get a new status, and he's going to come back, right? So that's first thing. Uh, number uh, two observation that we see here, there are citizens involved. If you ever the same, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, right? So if you're in here today and you hear the sound of my voice, whether you know Jesus or not, he is Lord of all. He is going to come back and he is going to reign Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It is a reality that we have to grapple with. But it's a good reality because he's a good, gracious king. So we have the nobleman who's going away. We have the citizens. But then we have within the citizens, we have two groups. We have servants. Everybody say servant. And then we have enemies. But they're both citizens. Right? Because he has a claim to all of their lives because they're in his realm. Okay? And so, within the servants, we have three subgroups. Right? We have the good servant. Remember, he's the one that invested. Well done. uh, Good and faithful servant. You know, uh, turned the one mina into ten. Okay? We have the good servant. And then we have where he didn't say anything except you get to take care of five cities. You remember that part? Yeah, I'm calling Kim, it doesn't say this in the scripture, but I'm just calling Kim for my own being able to classify them, the mediocre servant. All right, so we've got the good servant, we've got the mediocre servant, and then lastly, not my vocabulary, the Bible, we have the one who decided to put the mean in a handkerchief, and what's he called? The wicked servant. I'm like, Jesus, he's just lazy. (laughs) Jesus is like, no, he's wicked. (laughs) Oh, that cut anybody to the heart? Oh, okay. I don't want to say anything about that anymore. Yes. Okay, so here we go. As good servants, I'm going to break this down, give us a couple of, it's got to be based in love though, right? Okay. For disciples, it's because we know that we have been loved beyond death. Jesus died for you, okay? As good servants, 
if we are good servants, we recognize everything we have is from the gracious king. That is the first step. Everything you have been given as a servant is by his gracious hand, right? The attitude for the good servant is this. This is God's resource. I will maximize it for his desired result and pleasure. And pleasure. Three times. This is going to stand out later. And pleasure. I will maximize it for his desired result and pleasure. His pleasure drives me and is my great reward. His pleasure is my driving factor, and it is my great, my great reward. That is the good servant. Okay, then we have the mediocre servant. He didn't do bad. He got a mina. He's like, Lord. He still got him Lord. Lord, I turned it into five. And he says, here's five cities for you to take authority over. So as mediocre servants, if that's where we are, we recognize that what we have is from the coming king. He recognized it right? And that there will be accountability. So he did something with it, right? So that's where he was at. No mention of pleasure in there. And so the mindset for the mediocre servant is, is, is along these lines. I live and steward for accountability rather than the king's pleasure. My clear conscience rather than obedience drives me. I'll do something with it. But as we know, love always does more than is necessary, right? It's more than a job. And so my overall goal today is not for us to become better stewards. It's for us to become better lovers, okay, to be clear. And then I would like to say this next one is about the lazy servant, but Jesus calls him wicked, so this is about the wicked servant. Whew, sorry, guys. If I preach more often, will I cry less? I don't know. No? As wicked servants, if that's where we are, still servants, okay? Because there was a classification of enemy, and we definitely don't want to be there. As wicked servants, we also, like the other servants, recognize that what we have is from the coming king. Also, that there is accountability for the resource, Yet, we disregard the king's command and his will where he commanded, engage in business until I come. Did, he, did the wicked servant engage in business? What did he do with it? Yes, he folded it up in a handkerchief and put it away. Did nothing with it. No interest, but he's like, okay, in case the king comes back, in case he really does come back as king, and he really does have this authority, at least I won't be counted with the enemies. So I'll just give him back what he's got. No, no idea or thought or attitude about the pleasure of the king, obedience to the king, him as actually having authority. It was just like, okay, if he does come back. So it's the, the attitude that I'll do as little as I can to get by. And the way the scripture describes this in other places, is that if that is the state that we're in, okay, we'll make it into the kingdom because we call, you know, he is Lord. We call him Lord, right? But we're going to skate through the smoke. I mean, we're going to go through the fire, and anything we've done is going to be burned up, and we're just going to make it in smelling like smoke. Smelling like smoke. We're not going to have a reward other than, 
Woo, I'm glad I made it. Oh, I wasn't his enemy. Oh, don't know, nobody wants to be there, right? No. So the attitude is this. The noble man may not return as king. Therefore, I will not spend myself, exhaust myself, on obeying his command. But if he does return as king, I will give him back what is his to avoid severe punishment. That's the uh, wicked servant. But then we got our fourth category. And if we find ourselves as, in, as enemies, that means we reject the king's claim to kingship and we serve other kings. Most of us cling to self-sufficiency and autonomy, thereby rejecting God's rule, crowning ourselves as royalty. We may not be overtly serving some money or serving, uh, you know, some other uh, 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 demon, right? Uh, unclean spirit, whatever, Satan, we want to call it. Uh, but we usually end up just crowning ourselves. We take all that he has given us and we spend it on ourselves. We don't even put it in the handkerchief and wait for him to come back. We're like, oh, I'm going to go sell this, right? What, Cole, what the heck are you talking about? Is anybody in here breathing? Anybody in here with a beating heart? Why are you alive? Who gave you sight, right? At the very, very, very foundational base, your life force is from the maker of heaven and earth, and Scripture declares that his name is Jesus Christ. And we owe it to him. And if we're not even holding on to it to give it back to him, and we're just spending it on ourselves and on other things, we find ourselves as enemies and we will not be prepared when he comes back. All right, that was heavy, right? All right, but guess what? Jesus loves you. He loves you, 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 you. He loves me. And write this down. Okay, the cross is the path to the crown. The cross is the path to the crown. Jesus is not foreshadowing anything other than what he was about to do for us. He was about to take everything that had been trusted to him. His 33 years on this earth living a holy, righteous life for the pleasure of the Father, but also because of love for you, the lost, and me, the lost. Fully, wholeheartedly, because of that love, investing it into one basket called the cross for our salvation. And then after going through that, he, he would be resurrected, which means crowned king forevermore and would return, will return to reign and power. And so the cross is the path to the crown, right? Well, guess what? As disciples, as Christians, the word means little Christ, right? Our, our path in following Jesus is no different. We are called to love God through giving it all back to him, carrying our cross. Anybody read that before? Carrying our cross, but that is the path to the crown. You ever heard the, the crown of life, right? The crown. Like, there's all these different rewards that are talked about, right? And the number one is being with him, right? And we're just going to throw those crowns down at his feet because 
when we recognize as servants, everything we have is from him, and it's all going to go back to him, we're like, I'm just so happy to be a part of this. This is amazing. I'm overjoyed. So let me do some reading because we only got nine minutes left. All right, Jesus obeyed his Father in heaven, storing his earthly life for the Father's pleasure. Jesus engaged, remember engage in business until I come, setting us an example. Jesus engaged all his resources into the Father's business of, remember Zacchaeus? The mission scripture, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus engaged all of his resources for that mission in his earthly life. And this parable is not about investing money God has given you. It is about seeing Christ as the cosmic king who in love chose the cross for our salvation. And that knowledge of him doing that, moving us to a position of serving him wholeheartedly out of love for him. That is the point of the parable. That love for God evidenced through good stewardship of the gospel, using every resource for its advancement, that many may be saved. Will you prosper along the way? There are a lot of promises of prosperity for the follower of Jesus. There are. The fruits of the Spirit that get developed in your life. Love. Joy. Anybody need any joy? Peace. Patience. Kindness, all the things we go to our therapists for, you know? <laughs> and we love therapists in this church. Thank you for therapizing, therapizing, therapying us, whatever that verb is. Counseling us, it's not even the same word. Who, who came up with English? <laughs> My hope is that as we look at the cross, the empty tomb, because of the resurrection, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we'll be able to say authentically something similar to what, I just came across this quote recently, something similar to what David Livingston said while speaking at Cambridge University on December 4th, 1857. And it's not, I know you guys don't have it, don't worry about it. Uh, David Livingston, speaking to the students at Cambridge in 1857, said, For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa, which is where he was an explorer and missionary. People, uh, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought, it is emphatically no sacrifice. They say, rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with a foregoing of the common convenience and charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. And here's the part that stuck out to me. And you can, I'd, I'd write this down. He says, I never made a sacrifice. That's the attitude of the first good servant right there. Why? Because of love. He realized what Jesus had done for him. He's like, this is not a sacrifice. This is my great privilege, my great honor. And that's where we want to be as joyful disciples. Amen? All right.
With our last five minutes, let's talk about rewards just a little bit. Verse 26 says, I tell you, this is reiterating what we read earlier, where Jesus said, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Wow, man. Okay, here we go. Jesus, in that parable, has shown us that in the kingdom of God, for those who love well, steward well, right, the resources that are given, that there will be an increased authority for good servants and mediocre servants. There will be an increased authority. But for the wicked servant, that reward would not seem like a... (laughs) That would not seem like a reward, right? Because he's like, look, I don't want more authority. That's why I wrapped it up and put it over here. I just want to be in the kingdom. I don't want to do anything. Right? And so uh, I'm going to run some numbers with you. The good servant with the, ten, the tenfold increase went from, I'm going to use today's dollars to help contextualize this so maybe we can um, apply it a little better. The good servant went from $18,000 that were given to him in a lump sum to $180,000, right? That's 10 times. So doing math right? All right. I work as a real estate broker, not a mortgage broker. Know your lane. All right. Uh, and it would have taken over uh, uh, 23 years if he would have invested it in the stock market immediately, as soon as he got it, because of the average return that's in the stock market. Are you following me? Okay. And then all of a sudden, he went from 18,000, well, 23 years, 18,000 to 180,000. And then all of a sudden, you who stewarded $18,000 faithfully. Remember that word earlier? Well done, good, and faithful. Here's 10 cities. 10 cities. Are 10 cities worth more than 180000 Are they worth 10 times more? I would say a lot more than 10 times more. I don't know how to value cities. I just do individual pieces of real estate, not whole cities, right? But do you see the craziness? Remember the title of the message? What's the title of this message? A little is a lot in God's kingdom. A little is a lot in God's kingdom. All right, let's keep going. With the little bit of time we got left. Faithful with a very little results in great trust with God. And that's the real currency right there. Faith, which results in trust with God. So my question for us here today, what is your very little that is very impactful? What is your very little that is very impactful? God, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you open our eyes to see what we're looking over. Help us to see it, even if it's just our breath. If we got zero in our bank account, Lord, the air that is in our lungs to speak the truth of the gospel, that God loves you and has a plan for your life, if you'll just repent and trust him. What is the very little? There's not a single person in here. All of the servants received Amina. Everyone, look to your left, look to your right, tell them you're rich in Christ. Every servant, everyone got Amina. You just received 18,000 spiritual dollars. Those serious, okay, your very little could be your time, it could be your talent, or it could be your treasure, right? It also is your testimony. 
Anybody been rocked by Christ? Covered in shame and guilt. You didn't know what to do. And then he's like, it's okay, I got you. I got you. You got a testimony. Steward it well. It's worth way more than $18,000. Okay, for the wicked servant, there was a removal of responsibility. That was his reward. (laughs) In a sense, in a sense. Uh, As Jesus later in Luke 19 weeps over Jerusalem, because later we're not going to make it there today. I talked to Rollin. I said, too much. We'll talk about it later. So we see Jesus riding in on a donkey. This is his passion week, getting ready to start. Where is last week on earth, and he's riding on the donkey, and he gets there, and he looks at Jerusalem, and he knows that the parable that I just read to you was to prepare them for what was about to happen to Jerusalem when it was going to get ransacked by the Romans a couple of decades later. It was going to be taken from them. And what does he do? We see Jesus weeping three times in the scripture, three times. We talked about it last week with the raising of Lazarus. We see it right here this week. First, it was just for one of his friends. Then it was for his entire people. But then we see in Hebrews that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was pleading with the Father, is this the only way? Is this the only way? It said that happened with tears as well. And so he did. He he cried over his own life too, right? He's like, okay. And so you know he loves you. Not as a theory, not as a big picture, but individually. And he knew what it was going to cost and so, for, for the wicked servant that he had to take it from and give it to the other ones, he didn't do that out of joy in the parable. The king didn't. No, he's like, I'm sorry, but I'm just. I have to take this from you and give it to the person who already has ten because they've proven themselves faithful. And I imagine him, like, weeping on the inside, at least, and be like, I had high, you know, I had high hopes. Not that God doesn't know everything. He does. We can have the theological conversations later. You get the point. And then there were punishment for rebellious citizens. The parable was for the purpose of telling them the things to come uh, so that they can change. So that they can change. Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So if you're reading about the enemies, the citizen enemies who, he said, bring them here when, I come, when, when, I'm, when I'm back and I'm ruling and reigning, and they're rebellious, slaughter them in front of me. Basically what that's talking about is an eternal separation that we all would experience if we're found as enemies on the day that he returns, and that's hell. But he tells us so that we don't have to go that, go that path, right? And so... Um, Okay, almost done. Real quick, a very little is very impactful. The compounding of interest is similar to the compounding of souls. Everybody say souls. Okay, the compounding investment of $18,000. All right, if you put it in the stock market for, uh, at the average growth, which is 10% over the historical average of the stock market, for your entire working career, 30 years. Anybody going to work for 30 years? Probably, right? So if you put that $18,000 in, and you never add anything else to it. You only give, put in there what God has given you at the beginning, and you never add to it. But you said, okay, I'm going to put it there. Over the course of 30 years, it would not just have a 10 times growth, which is what the good servant had. It would have a 20 times growth. You would come out with $360,000 instead of 180. 
That's crazy. The good servant, it would have taken 23 years, like we talked about earlier, to get the 10 times growth by engaging in business in the stock market at 100, uh, would produce over 23 years, 180,000. The mediocre servant, with only five times growth, but because he engaged in business, let's say, and put that $18,000 in the, in the stock market, which is the easiest way to do it, and to quantify it, he would have hit the five times growth mark without adding anything to it in just 16 years. And it would have been $89,000. So from 18000 to 89. And then we're going to look at the wicked servant's potential. And then we're going to read one scripture and we're done. All right. If the wicked servant would have done what the king said, why didn't you put it with the, with the bankers? Why didn't you put it there? You, even if you're like feeling like, man, I just don't have the energy to do this, but I know i got to do something. Okay. If you would have put it in a savings account, let's say money market savings account, the average in my lifetime anyway has been about 4% on the money market side of things. If he just would have done that, set it and forget it, right? Autopilot. That's the easiest thing. Over 30 years, it still would have been three and a half times what it was originally worth. Almost at the mediocre servant level. Over 23 years, which was what the, um, the good servant had to work with, it would have been worth two and a half times what it started with. And then, even if um, he had just put it in for 16 years, it would have been two times growth. So why do I say all that? It's because I know, I know how you think. Why? Because I'm a human too. You think... I'm too far gone. I don't have anything left to invest. I've wasted all my money. I've wasted my body. I've wasted my relationships. I can't even share my testimony to anybody because nobody will listen to me anymore. <laughs> Whatever you feel like you don't have the time or the resource for, it is never too late. That's why I just told you those numbers right there. And the difference in growth is faith, trust, which is trust, engaging in business, and obedience to engage in business. And today can be your day to ask for faith if you feel like, okay, I haven't been faithful with what's been entrusted to me. Um, worship team, you can, you can come up now. I'm, I'm wrapping up. <sighs> All right, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, you're going to hear us talk about it all the time in discipleship. Uh, Paul was talking to Timothy, and this was about the compounding of souls, okay? We're changing from money to souls. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Second City Church, be strengthened in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And then he says to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to, here's that word we said earlier, don't forget, faithful men who will be able to teach others also that's four generations that's beginning to multiply and compound guys share in suffering as a good soldier of christ jesus no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits remember we talked about the servants earlier in the parable that's right no soldier or servant gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim and this is the heart since his aim is to please the Father, since his aim is to please the one that has sacrificed it all for him. So the aim, again, is love, not stewardship. 
is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. And so, in summary, before we go back into a time of worship, I want you to know what practically today you can do if you're being moved by the Spirit to take a step of faith. And here it is. Number one, decide. Am I a servant or an enemy of the coming king? Today's your, today's your day. Am I a servant? I didn't ask you if you were a good servant. I didn't ask you if you were a mediocre servant. I didn't even ask if you were a lazy servant. Are you, just, are you a servant of the king? Or are you an enemy? Decide. Number two, recognize that every servant has resources entrusted to them. Ask God to open your eyes to help you see it. Lord, I ask that for your people now and for myself. Invest. God expects and enables a return on his investment in you. And number four, know that God will reward good stewardship, good stewardship with his pleasure and increased stewardship. So you can expect increase. It just may not look like you think because it's going to be an increase in faith as well <laughs> to manage it and steward it. Yeah, and so at the end of today, the way that you can begin to engage in business until the king returns, working with him, seeking and saving the lost, which is why he's came, is as soon as we're done here with our last song, right behind the, the worship team, the ministry team leaders are going to be over here. Come talk to one of them. Find where you can start serving and get on mission with the church. Second City Stars Children's Ministry. We need to steward the next generation. We, like, it is a stewardship. And if you feel God calling you, we will train you. We will help with your, with your, with your stewardship. Book lot. Talk to Warren and Rika. Thursday night, there's a whole neighborhood of children uh, doing Bible study and learning how to read and write for uh, the sake of knowing Christ. Youth ministry. Gabe, Naomi, where you at? Gabe, raise your hand. Talk to Gabe. And Naomi, yes, and Victoria, out there. Go to the Madison, Wisconsin uh, interest meeting. It doesn't mean you're going, but just find out. Take a step of faith. See if God will call you up there for something. Bear Lake Bible Camp. Talk to Daddy Ben over there. He wants to get you started. And here we go. Here's some real easy stuff. Invite people to your community group. Just invite somebody. Take a coworker through the one-to-one -one at lunch. And here's the last one. Give tithes and offerings to support ministers and missionaries that you see have been good stewards and let them continue to do the work that they're called to do. Lord Jesus, you loved us. Help us love you back. Amen. Let's stand together.